90.5 WASC, the App FM. Howdy, Mountaineers. My name is Priya Norris. I am the host for this week's installment of App 1800, our interview show here at WASU, where we try and tackle some of the most important Prussian topics here in Boone in the high country with some of the most important people. This week, I spoke to Will Bennett. He is the president of our Audubon Society here at Appalachian State University. Will had a lot to say about the conservation efforts that the Audubon Society is has been up to lately, some of the migratory patterns of recent birds, and a lot of conversation about the ducks in the duck pond. So be sure and stay tuned for that. Here is our interview now. Will, would you like to introduce yourself? Thanks, Britt, for having me. Yeah, my name is Will Bennett. I'm a birder and a senior at Appalachian. Um, I'm the president of the Audubon Club here on campus. Uh, We are a chapter focused on birding and conservation, specifically wildlife conservation as it relates to birds. Um, We are a chapter of the North Carolina Audubon Society and High Country Audubon Society, which is our local chapter also based out of Boone, North Carolina. How many members do you have in the Audubon Society right now? Uh, We have about 20 active members, but our mailing list um, is up in the one or two hundreds. Wow. And you can sign up for that on your website or where, where is that available? Yep, you can find us on the App State Engage, or you can send us an email at appstateaudubon at gmail.com. Man, and is that just information that's sent out about birds, or are you inviting them to club events, or what can our listeners look for in the newsletter? Um, If you're on the email list, we usually send out updates about a week in advance for our um, bird walks or club meetings, and also sometimes um, if there's any birding news locally or regionally. Wow, okay, so very, very much a newsletter. (laughs) Cool. Uh, Could you describe birding to me and also our listeners out there who may not know what it is? Sure. Birding or bird watching is the process of going outside and looking at either um, bird feeders or in the natural environment to see what um, types and numbers of species are showing up. Um, Usually we go to a park or a nature preserve nearby um, and just count for a few hours how many different species we can find in the area. And it's surprising to me to hear that you have that variety of species available to look for and to find. Like I know parsing through like the Audubon catalogs and magazines as a kid, I was always, you know, surprised by how many birds there were, but it would be a term like birds in North America. And so I'd be like, yeah, this makes sense. So there's, you know, 200 pages all with like these different photo color photos, photo color photos, geez, Uh, different pictures of birds. But how many would you expect to find in the area? Like, do we have like 15, 20? Like, like is, is that the number of species or are there way, way more than that? Um, it's a good bit more than that. Um, if you spend a really good day in migration, so um, around May or August, um, in our area, you can usually find um, consistently about 60 to 80 species. Wow. Um, if you really grind and spend a lot of time looking at different habitats um, throughout the entire day, sometimes you can get up to 90 species. That is really surprising and really impressive. And would you say that you can recognize them all at this point? Um, I've been birding for only about three years now. And um, by now I can recognize almost all of them that we have in North Carolina, um, both by sight and by sound. And that's like all three regions. It's not even just the Western. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most, the mountains. Of, most of the birds that we have in the mountains are found throughout the state. Um, you get more waterfowl, of course, as you get closer to the ocean. Um, and during the winter, the waterfowl come down from Canada. Um, but yeah, most of the same birds are found throughout the state. Interesting, man. That is shocking, but also kind of comforting to hear that we can find the same birds in different places. But that changes throughout the seasons, right? Like I know we're in migration season right now. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we're in fall migration right now. So most of the birds um, that summered in Canada on their breeding grounds um, are moving south um, down either over Mexico or over the Gulf of Mexico down to South America where they will stay for the winter. Has that changed the number of birds that you can spot coming through? Or do you count those birds who fly through during migration as part of the you know, 70 to 80 species? Yeah, those are usually in the um, species that we find in migration. Um, usually in the summer, we'll have fewer species just because a lot of species are uh, moved further north for the summer. Um, so we'll, we'll usually have about 30 to 40 species in the summer. Huh. So speaking of species, how does your particular species of birder come about? Like, were you into it as a kid or is this you said you've only been birding for three years. So how did how did this interest arise from you and how did you find yourself president of the Audubon Society? Yeah, I was I got involved in the chapter at Appalachian last year. Um, before that, we were kind of online due to COVID, so we didn't really do a lot. Um, but my dad got me into it about three years ago. We took a trip out to Pea Island on the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Um, and you could just see thousands of waterfowl, tundra swans, and um, dozens of different species of duck all in the same location at once. Wow. <laughs> How many species of duck, just, just out of curiosity, do we have in our Appalachian State duck pond? Uh, we have one, and it is the domestic mallard. Fantastic. <laughs> I believe most of those birds are dumped there around Easter when people buy ducks for Easter. Really? Oh, so they're not even like Appalachian State sanctioned ducks. They're just fun, fun surprises that we... No, they just come across over the years. they have just kind of popped up there now, um, and because they were bought domestically, their wings are I think all clipped, so they'll be here all winter. Wow. Okay. And do they? Uh, I guess they stay in that little house. I don't. I don't know if you know much about like these particular ducks, but figuring they are the ducks that we have on campus or the birds we have on campus, figured I'd ask. Yeah. During the winter, they'll um, stay in that house just to stay warm. Um, currently, it's underwater thanks to the fans after the last football game, mm. um, but I'm sure they'll find other places to stay. Great. And talking about events that we have on campus uh, and the birds that we have on campus, what are your birds with a feather planning for your next Audubon events? Well, we try to have a bird walk every two or three weeks um, and a meeting every month. Um, but one of the larger projects that we're starting um, this year is the Bird Window Collision Project. Um, Every year, billions of birds migrate um, from south to north and then back down to the south um, as they go to their wintering and summering grounds. Um, and every year, about 600 million birds die from hitting windows um, in the country. Wow, that, that is just a lot of birds. I know I keep saying wow, but I am just genuinely surprised at kind of the dearth of um, bird-related things that we have going on just on campus and in state and across the country. Like. That is an astounding number of animals that are dying by a window. So what is the way that you combat that? Well, there's two main ways you can do it. Um, one is by installing bird-safe glass, by either by um, making it less reflective or by putting um, markers on the windows, such as stickers or little dots so that the birds know that the glass is there and they can't fly through it. Um, but another way is called is through a lights-out program. Um, but the cities of Asheville and Greensboro implemented a lights out program this spring um, where during the night um, city buildings will turn off lights that aren't necessary um, or they will install street lights that face down. And this both saves electricity and it keeps birds away from the ground where they won't be colliding with buildings. Interesting. How would we implement that at, here at Appalachian State? Well, this fall and for the next few years, the Audubon Club and the biology department 
are doing surveys every morning to see how many birds um, collide with buildings on campus and in town um, every night. And if the number is exceptionally high, we will create a petition for the town um, or to the school to implement some of these measures, such as a lights out program or installing bird safe glass. Is it typically a certain species of bird that you find running into windows, or is this just a problem across the board for our owl friends? Well, most of the birds that we find are songbirds, and these are small birds that you could hold in your hand. Um, we don't find a lot of larger birds, such as hawks, but sometimes they will hawks will collide with larger windows. Um, but most of the species that we find are going to be warblers. Um, these are small little birds um, that have really beautiful songs that we have a lot of in the area and a lot of, more of up north. So as they're coming through through the fall, um, if they do see a window that they think they can go through on their way south, or if they see the night sky reflecting off of the window, um, they'll try and fly through the window and usually end up on the ground. Which makes it even sadder that they're so small and pretty. Like it would be one thing if you had a bunch of buzzards, you know, or like squawking at you running into windows. Not that I condone, you know, buzzard window collision, but the fact that they are just like little helpless sweet creatures is is a shame. What sort of stuff, uh, or, or I'm so sorry, uh, what I meant to ask was where people can find that petition. Is it something that you're mailing out to the folks on your newsletter or do people need to seek it out themselves or is the biology department administering them? Like, uh, how, are, how are people getting access to your, to your petition? Um, the petition will be created once we do a survey for a couple years right. of the to number your survey, of birds. Excuse me. Um, okay. And then, but if anyone is, if anyone finds a bird on campus that they think was killed by a window or if they're interested in participating, um, they can contact the club at appstateaudubon at gmail.com um, and we have a separate newsletter that goes out for folks interested in that. Um, and if anyone finds a bird, um, just send us a picture and where you found it and we'll add it to our collection of um, bird data. Oh, great. Where can, or what sort of things do you guys feature on your newsletter? Um, that newsletter is just information about the bird window collision project. Okay, cool. So you're, you're two separate newsletters. We have one that is bird collision focused and one that is just general Audubon Society. Mm -hmm. Right. What can we find on the Audubon Society? particular brand of the newsletter? Um, the Audubon Club newsletter will have um, usually a week in advance notice for um, our bird walks or club meetings um, and also features news on the local level or the regional level um, related to birds or conservation. So what is a bird walk for those who may be interested? Um, bird walks will usually we will go out to a park or a nature preserve in the area um, and just try and see how many different species um, or varieties of birds we can find within a one or two hour period. Cool. And do you normally go in the mornings? I know that my brother is actually a member of the Audubon Society. He's coerced me to come out at like 6 or 7 a.m. to <laughs> try, uh, try and find some specific species of birds. We didn't, but we did see some nice ducks on the, on the stream out there, <laughs> which was great. Yeah, usually we try and get out early in the morning. Um, birds are most active around sunrise and sunset. Um, because the sun hitting the leaves will bring out um, the bugs that they like to eat in the morning. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I guess now that you mention that. Do you have a favorite species of bird? Ooh, that's a tough one. I'm um, sure. Locally, probably my favorite species of bird would be the chestnut-sided warbler. 
Um, they're a small, colorful bird with creatively named chestnut sides <laughs> um, that we get in the summer. And then right now they're leaving as they go back to Brazil or that area. What makes it your favorite? Like, what criteria of bird are you? Do you find yourself most most drawn to? Like, I'm sure you have like kind of categorical things or um, certain features that you find more interesting than others. Um, well, it's it's really pretty. It's got a bright green back and those chestnut sides. Um, its song is really beautiful um, and pretty distinct in this area, um, and it it likes the higher elevations. Yeah, nice. So we have the bird walks, we have the project with the bird collisions, but you said that y'all do a lot of stuff with like nature conservation as well, right? So what are some projects there that you'd like to share with our, with our listeners on air? Well, when the opportunity arises, we will do stream cleanups um, in Boone or the surrounding area, usually on either the New River or Boone Creek. Um, and we will also partner with native plant gardens on, on campus and off campus. Um, to do projects with um, native plants, supporting um, pollinators and other birds that come to plants during the during the summer, um, and we will also do some invasive plant removal um, starting next year. Cool. So, is that part of the general Audubon focus for every chapter, or is that more specific to here in Boone? Um, those are the projects that we focus on. Um, some of the larger Audubon chapters will do. Um, larger projects such as land conservation mm -hmm. or um, managing nature preserves, but we don't really have the resources to do that here on campus. Makes sense. So stream stream cleanups, just picking up trash and whatnot. But tell me more about the the issues with invasive plants. Is that something that birds have a have a problem with as well as people? Does it impact the local ecosystems to like a dangerous extent? It, do we need to worry about kudzu growing on our windows that birds are flying into? What's the deal? Luckily, the kudzu isn't in Boone yet. Um, I think the closest I've seen is about Wilkesboro. But um, yeah, like you said, the native plants taking over has a downstream impact on birds because when the native plants go away, the native butterflies and other insects that feed on the plants um, aren't available for birds, and so they run out of food yeah, sources, too. Um, which cool. over a so long period of time are to they do to spot sense. these plants and so try to remove what them. specific invasive plants are we looking at here in Boone? Of in these year time and your crusade um, against invasive plants. The main one that plants. we want to target next year is well, Japanese past the time grass. this year for a moment, um, it's a low-lying grass document where the grass and all of are found. One project that folks can use is called iNaturalist. It's an app that you can install and you can take photos of plants and upload them. Um, other users will identify them, and um, it goes into a scientific database to map the distribution of all sorts of different insects and animals and pretty much anything. But that's super helpful. Y'all should employ that for bird collisions, although that, I guess it'd be kind of grisly having a bunch of uh, bird window photos and an app. So you mentioned that it's past the time to remove invasive species. Is, um, I didn't realize there were seasons for that. Can you tell me more about that? Well, for the stiltgrass and autumn olive specifically, both of, both of those have fruited already. Um, the stiltgrass have put out their seed pods and the autumn olive have their berries out. Um, and once those are out, there isn't really much you can do to prevent the spread next year because the seeds will enter the seed bank and um, kind of be lost as far as we can remove them until next year. Man, <laughs> that, that is a wide ranging issue. So birds are migrating south and 
I'm assuming none come to roost here in North Carolina, right? Are there any like way northern species that uh, stop here as far as the southern nesting grounds go? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of waterfowl will go breed north in Canada and they won't go all the way south, but they'll come down um, to the southeast on the coast or in lakes and spend the winter down here. Interesting. What sort of species can we look for in, in that regard? Um, in Boone, we're going to see a lot of teal. We don't have enough lakes um, to really get the large numbers that we see on the coast. Um, but blue-winged teal are a type of duck that um, look a lot like a mallard, but they've got kind of a different color wing patch on them. Um, and we also might see some um, some coots are another some, type of waterfowl. Some coots. <laughs> yep, American coot. Um, it's a funny looking bird. Um, you don't really see them on land much, um, but they've got these really funky feet um, that are kind of webbed and clawed at the same time. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I hope we can get some, some coots in our duck pond, maybe. That would be fantastic. So I know you have a couple of just uh, facts about the migration of the, that you've prepared. Would you like to share those? We can have a discourse about them. Yeah, definitely. Um, just locally, um, last night I checked this morning and we had over 300,000 birds cross Watauga County um, migrating overnight. Wow, and how was that tracked? Um, there's a website called BirdCast that uses radar because you can actually see the migrating birds on regular weather radar. They show up a little bit differently than rain clouds because they're not rain clouds, but um, researchers have made models to kind of combine radar from different sources and predict where and how many birds are migrating as they go south. So I'm assuming it's not just clouds of, you know, four or five. It's those massive flocks that are that are coming through that are showing up on the on the weather radar. Yep. On a good night, if you look at the um, raw weather radar, weather radar, um, you can see the clouds as they kind of come over your area of birds. That is crazy and a little bit terrifying, but also extremely cool. It it evokes Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. Have you <laughs> seen it? I haven't yet. No, okay. It might, it might ruin birds for you forever, <laughs> so I, I'd avoid it. But that's that's really, really cool. Is that something that weather channels tend to note, or is this uh, exclusively a bird cast? Um, from what I understand, usually that's kind of filtered out before it gets to the weather stations, um, like the weather channels. But yeah, BirdCast uses the raw weather radar um, and you can kind of see live if you look on their website for your county or for your town, um, how many birds are going over right now um, overnight. Cloudy with a chance of birds. Wow. What's next? Well, as far as Audubon Club goes, we'll be having another bird walk in the next couple weeks. Um, our first bird meeting, our first bird club meeting of the year is coming up. Um, and we're hoping to do some more projects with Hawkwatch, another program. What is Hawkwatch? Um, as the raptors are moving, so Hawkwatch is a program that runs nationwide. Um, there's about 200 sites between Canada, the United States, and Mexico um, that count migrating raptors during the fall migration um, as they go down to South America. Um, the closest Hawkwatch site to us is at Grandfather Mountain. Um, and just the last couple of days, they've been seeing hundreds of hawks every single day as they go by. And on the best days, you can get a kettle or a big cloud of hawks up in the thousands. Wow. That would be something to see. Uh, just driving around I'm from Asheville, North Carolina and uh, seeing 
seeing a hawk up in the mountains was kind of a rare event. Also really cool with one of my favorite memories going home recently was driving up the road and having a hawk hover over my car the entire way there. And I thought that was a, a crazy experience. So to know that there are literally, like you say, kettles of thousands of them out there, that that would be a sight. Have you made it up to Grandfather Mountain yourself? I have, yeah. Yeah? And you've been to the Hawk Hawk Watch or? Okay. Yeah, I was um, the official counter for one of the days up there. Really? So were you also part of Hawk Watch as as well as your duties for, for the Audubon Society? Um, no, that's a volunteer position. Um, but we do have members that are volunteering um, every day or every other day up there to help the official counters count hawks. Great. What would you recommend for any prospective hawk watchers out there? Like, are there any tips or tricks that, that you found especially beneficial in your, in your counting of the hawks? Well, it certainly helps to have binoculars. Um, and it really it helps mostly to have more people out there because um, more eyes on the sky makes it easier to not miss the birds that are going by behind you or overhead. How long are you spending up there when you're when you're counting hawks? Is this like an hour, two hours, or, or is it a longer span of time that you're, you're spending to try and capture all of them? Um, on the east, most of the hawk watch sites um, will run every day for the month of September from nine to five. Wow, that is so full time gig. <laughs> That's impressive. Definitely. But to talk more about your volunteer part time duties, uh, what what could, could we expect to see at a typical Audubon Club meeting? Um, well, at the meetings, usually they're pretty short. Um, we will go over um, just kind of club news, um, maybe vote on any items that have come up. Um, and sometimes we'll have a guest speaker either from the biology department or from High Country Audubon talk about um, their work relating to birds. Do you have a favorite guest speaker that's come through or just one that you found particularly interesting? Um, not yet, but um, one of the biology professors, Dr. Lynn Sieferman, does a lot of research with um, tree swallows and bluebirds. Um, in the Valley Crucis and Meat Camp areas. Um, you may have seen her boxes if you're ever at Valley Crucis Park. <laughs> That's good to know. Keep a lookout for them. Do you have any other good information or fun facts we should be should be aware of during this migratory season? Well, just go out there and have fun watching birds. Fantastic. Well, Will, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. And we will keep our eyes to the skies, and hopefully you'll see a couple of new faces at the Audubon Society meetings. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you very much. 90.5 WASC, the app FM. That was Will Bennett, the president of our Audubon Society here at Appalachian State University. And this has been App 1800, WASU's weekly interview show where we tackle the most important people and the most important topics here in the high country. My name is Pruitt Norris. Thank you so much for tuning in. And now back to your college, your station, your music, 90.5 WASC, the app FM.